Good morning. I'm excited and really nervous <laughs> every time. Uh, okay, let's just wipe that off. No, good morning. Welcome. So, so good to see you here. The title of my message this morning is Unfiltered. It's such an honor to be able to share with you this morning. I, I don't take it lightly. So, um, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for your time, your attention. I, uh, I hope, I know, I trust that God has got something um, that He wants to share with you this morning. Now, this morning I want to talk on our first culture as Church Unlimited. Who knows what that is? Prayer. Prayer is our priority. It's awesome. We fully depend on God. Who loves this one? Ooh. Come on. It sounds like I've got the right message for us this morning. All right. I love this explanation of this culture. We fully depend on God. I feel like way too often we look at prayer in the wrong way, like it's a chore or something you have to do to be a good Christian. But this explanation really clarifies what prayer is. It is simply partnering with God in everything we do. Let's stop worrying about perfecting our prayers and doing everything right before we connect with God. It's time to take the filter off. Kick it to the curb. God wants to connect with us. That's it. There are no conditions. Let's be real with God this morning and invite Him into our hearts afresh. Even right now, as I pray, why don't you go ahead and put your hand on your heart with me and just turn, turn your affections to the Father, the Creator, the Lover of your soul. Father, we, just, we come before you this morning. God is your, your sons and your daughters, the ones that you've accepted and loved and included in your family. Right now, God, we just give you our whole attention, our whole heart. God, we open up even the deepest steps that we've shut away, the deepest steps that we've uh, hidden hurt, God. Come and have your way in us this morning. And Father, anything that I say, I just declare that if it's not of you, God, we just declare it to fall to the ground in Jesus' name. And Father, I just release your rhema word. God, come and, come and bring a current, a relevant, a, a word for today for every single person in this room. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, let's dive straight in. What are your first thoughts and reactions when I say the word prayer? Shout them out. Talking to God? Yeah. Listening. Listening. Be real with me if they're bad ones too. Come on. Difficult. Difficult. Thank you, Anne. Boring. Boring. Yeah, Pre- someone say pressure, worship, worship. yeah, security. security, awesome, very good, I, uh, I appreciate the honesty, <laughs> maybe it depends sometimes on your mood, or how your day has been, how you're feeling in that very moment, that actually, that very thing actually makes me think of Paul and Silas in prison, anybody know the story? I wonder if they felt like praying and worshipping when they'd been beaten and whipped and thrown in prison. Well, we all know what happened there, right? They prayed, they worshipped, and God came like an earthquake and broke every prison door open. (laughs) I want to have that kind of heart that will pray no matter what. There's a key that we can learn even right there. Sometimes our most powerful prayers are the ones hardest to say. When we don't feel like it, when we don't feel like we have any faith. 
I actually spent a lot of my life having a negative response to prayer. For so long, I felt like it was something that I had to do, something that I was meant to enjoy, and I would feel shameful or useless because I, I didn't feel like I felt like I didn't feel like I cared enough for people or I didn't feel like I prayed enough. Thankfully, <laughs> in God's goodness, God has brought me a long way from that place. And for me, prayer is simply connecting with my loving Father. It's intimacy. Intimacy. I love this word. Which means my job this morning is simply to inspire you to pursue the one that has been waiting an eternity for you. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. We can see it in Jesus' life that the goal of his prayer life was intimacy with the Father. So, we would, so he would know God's heart and then partner with him to bring heaven to earth. John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Intimacy is so much more than just one touch or one encounter. If that was the case, then we would see Jesus be baptized by John and then no more encounters, no more intimacy, no more connecting with God, right? No, it's a, intimacy is a lifetime of building connection and closeness in our everyday life. When was the last time we, we genuinely just pursued intimacy with God? <laughs> I should have uh, prepared you a little bit maybe that even as I was reading this this morning, I was like, this is rough, man. So uh, just take a couple of deep breaths and prepare yourself. Um, if it hurts, maybe it's a good thing. Um, if it does hurt too much, um, I love hugs. A lot of people here love hugs. Hugs help. <laughs> when was the last time? When we pray, we need to let the Holy Spirit pray through us from a place of intimacy. Partnering with what God is doing, not in defense of what the enemy is doing. Jesus went around doing what the Father was doing, not just defending against the enemy's attacks. Let's jump on board with what we see God doing in every moment, every situation, and let's really advance his kingdom instead of just defending it. I'm all for defending, don't get me wrong. Let's, let's advance. Has anyone else noticed that it's exhausting to pray in your own strength? Yeah? There have been times where, where I've come to God either on my own or in prayer meetings, and I've focused so hard on saying all of the right words and sounding powerful that I completely forgot what prayer was all about. I live completely drained and un unmotivated to continue praying, and then I end up with this, this mindset that prayer is hard. And then I hear, on the, on the way home from those meetings and things like that, I hear God's gentle, kind whisper say something like, how was that? And I immediately notice what I've done. Prayer isn't something that should cost you. It should cost the enemy. Our lives can be so demanding sometimes that we get caught up in the mechanics of prayer and we forget to even stop and sense our need to spend time with God. But our whole lives suffer when we cut ourselves off from the source of real life. There have been many times on my own or in prayer meetings where I come along and I'm completely exhausted. And in those cases, 
I have no option but to just hand over whatever little bit of energy that I have left to God. And they always end up being the best encounters. That's where the Holy Spirit flows so easy, so easily. And I leave feeling refreshed and encouraged. He takes what little we give him and he gives us so much more in return. He is a good, good father. When I'm, ex- when I'm exhausted, my head can't get in the way and overthink things. One of the, one of the quotes that I have up in my office um, from Bill Johnson is, our hearts will lead us where our heads won't fit. Our hearts will lead us where our heads won't fit. This quote means that knowledge will only get you so far. Sometimes we've got to be okay with not knowing, not, not knowing what to do and just trust God with our hearts and allow him to take us somewhere new. Don't waste your life trying to tick all the boxes before inviting God into your heart to move through you. Prayer isn't a one-way street. Sometimes I think that if we're doing more talking than listening to God, then we've got it wrong. After all, it's all about Him. It's all about His plan. That's what we need to know about. It's His perspective that we need, that we need to grasp. And it's His anointing and power that we need to carry. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I love that verse. We tend to do a lot of calling out and then skip the hard part. The part where we actually listen and obey. It's so much easier to just say the right words and then move on because it's not disobedience if we haven't heard anything. Wrong, in case that wasn't clear. (laughs) Luke 11 verse 28 says, He replied, this is Jesus, He said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Come on. That obedience step is absolutely key. My greatest desire while growing up was to help people. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And when I was about 17 and 18, I realized or I started to learn or open my eyes to the reality that God does want to heal supernaturally and that it could totally be possible through my hands. I was captivated by the idea of God showing up through visible miracles. And that's all I wanted to see. Growing up in church, I I had a bunch of knowledge, um, but no experience. And it took me a long time to learn that I actually needed to unlearn a lot of what I thought to be truth before I could receive what God had for me in the future. Anybody else in the same boat? Yeah. That in itself can actually be a huge process sometimes. How many of us have believed something that we thought to be absolute truth, but later it turned out to not be true at all? (laughs) That was basically me every day at ministry school. And do you know why this happens so easily? Ultimately, because our enemy is the father of lies. But he doesn't actually tell us he's lying when he's lying to us. Plus, he often tells those lies through someone else, so we don't recognize where they come from. Funny, isn't it? Or quite the opposite. The process of uprooting lies in our life is actually so important because how many of you know that currently we're not getting the job done? The Great Commission, that is. 
If we carry on like this, I'm sure we would achieve some awesome stuff in church. Man, I've seen some great, really cool, exciting growth in the last couple of months, even at, here at church. But we need to dream bigger. We need more of God. We need exponential growth. And for that to happen, something has got to change. Something has got to change in us. We can change all the the building, we can update it, we can make it look a bit better, a bit more attractive, but really what's going to bring God is is you guys. Every single one of us is called to be a leader. I wonder how many of us have believed lies about prayer before. I certainly have. I believed that I have to pray, that if I mess up the words, then the prayer won't work. I've believed that um, I am powerless, so why would my prayers do anything? What lies have you believed this morning? Maybe not this morning, but in your, throughout your life. Well, even now, why don't you shout them out so that we can laugh at the ridiculousness of the enemy's lies? Go ahead. I love laughing, <laughs> especially at the enemy's life. lies. What about things like, uh, make it personal for you, what, what are some lies that you've believed? Like, maybe it's that God doesn't heal through you. Maybe it's prayer is boring. Maybe it's God isn't listening. Let's break the power of these lies in our life. <clears throat> Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Man, I am thankful for this verse. <laughs> for this heart of God that he, he loves joy, man. You know, I believe there's so much more power in joy and laughter than the church has realized. I've had, come on, I've had God's joy in such a large measure before that when I get up from that experience, I'm lighter, I'm freer, I'm healed. The joy of the Lord can break all kinds of chains in our lives. It shakes us free of habits. It shakes us free of bondage. Does anyone in the room want more of God's abundant joy this morning? Yeah? Come on. If you're serious, get rid of your fear of man. Let God come how he wants to come. You might feel a a bit embarrassed or weird, but it's going to be totally worth it. 100%. Open up and connect with the guy who literally created joy. Created joy. He's got life and abundance for you. And he created joy. Romans 8 verse 26 says, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. When was the last time that you heard groaning in church? Why do we think that that's weird? We need to break open the box that we've put God in and let him pray through us how he wants to pray through us. Have we forgotten that Jesus put mud on somebody's eyes to heal them? I'm not saying go around and put mud on people's eyes. <laughs> you, better, you better make sure that they're healed if you do that. But then he went and said that we would do even greater works. Are we under some kind of deception to think that things are always going to make sense? Are we afraid of mess? It's our job to trust the one that knows everything, not to make sense of everything. 
Now we're trying to get a little bit lighter. So heavy, gosh. Anyway, getting back to me as a young adult with a huge hunger to see God's physical power. I was thinking about moving to California to attend Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I thought it was like a, a given in the name about what it was about. And when I started to dream about it and talk to my leaders about it, I felt more and more like that's what God wanted me to do. So I stepped down in faith, trusting God without even doing any research on the school. All I knew about it was uh, I knew their worship band, and I knew that my, my brother had been there with his family for a couple of years as well, before. Yeah, maybe not the wisest thing, but I call it trusting God. <clears throat> Of course, in my mind, I was thinking that God wants me to learn how to heal the sick and raise the dead. Anyone else hungry for that? Okay. I uprooted my life and spent thousands and thousands of dollars to move to California with this one goal in mind. And man, was I wrong. <laughs> I quickly, quickly realized that there was something so much better than seeing miracles. Not to diminish the power and the wonder and the glory of miracles, I definitely don't unappreciate them. They're flipping epic. But I was slapped in the face with the reality of God's goodness like never before. I was overwhelmed with his love over and over again. I was completely wrecked in the best way possible by his joy every day. That is where I really discovered the very thing Jesus paid for a relationship with our Creator, abundant life. Family, this morning, it's all about intimacy. Another quote from Bill Johnson that I love says, if you make history with God, He will make history through you. A lot of us like to, oh, a lot of us like to skip the first part there and just try and make history. Tell me, how many of us take advice from someone that you just met in the supermarket? Or how many of us really listen to some influencer that just popped up on your newsfeed? Nobody, right? Because we don't know them. We don't have any intimacy with them. And that's why this quote, that, that's what this quote is talking about. Just hang out with God, build a relationship with Him, and see what He does through you. Don't be satisfied with one touch from God and don't live on the manner of yesterday because God has a new word for you today. I wonder how many of us try to, try to skip that pass, first part and go straight to the history-making part. It's like in, in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. We love the second part but we don't really know how to do the first part. Well, that's, we just think of that as hard. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord. Make Him your priority. Depend fully on Him. Pursue intimacy with all your heart. Don't hold anything back from Him. Pour, pour out your life. Stop filtering which parts of your life God can have and which parts He can't. Way too often we come to God with a list of requests and instructions and we call that prayer. And after we're like, God didn't answer my prayer or God wasn't listening, whatever. When actually it's more like God didn't give you exactly what you wanted. 
and then we get hurt or offended instead of just trusting in the guy that is the very definition of love. Here's the one that sees the whole picture, not us. Are you guys all right out there? Really quiet. Is it hitting home? In a good way, I hope. I hope. <laughs> so many times I have been prideful and ignorant to think that I know better than God, even if it was at a subconscious level. Sometimes we just need to trust even when we don't understand. We've got to have faith in our Heavenly Father. Romans 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. I'm not trying to to devalue any prayer. We're already doing it all. Don't get me wrong. I just feel led to remind us to keep the main thing the main thing. And that uh, there is no point in saying words for the sake of saying words. Pray with the intention to connect with God and join in with what He is doing. That's where the power is. That's where the anointing is. In 2015, I went on a missions trip to South Africa. Any South Africans here this morning? I love South Africa. Um, It was while I was living in America, so I was with a team from America, and this is actually the team here. (coughs) Before I had a bed. Um, we went over there as a missions trip and I kind of had this belief of this pre-understanding of what a missions trip was about and you go and do some great stuff and all this and you pour out and you bless but then we got there and I received so much more back than I ever thought I could there's no way that what I received back was anywhere close to what I poured out What an incredible blessing it was. While I was there, one of the things we had the opportunity to do was be the ministry team for uh, Bethel Music. They had a worship night happening there in in Durban at the time. And so there was a team of 15 of us, and we were basically praying for people in the lines beforehand and in the altar call kind of thing after the worship night. Um, So there's 4,000 people there on a worship night, which is incredible. Unbelievable. It was unlike anything. (laughs) Words can't describe. But that's not even the shocking part. The shocking part is that more than half of our team, in every prayer that they prayed, they had 100% success. I myself, this has nothing to do with me. But me, myself, we, I had about 20 people, and I recorded all of the testimonies. I had about 20 people come up to me in the ministry time afterwards, one after another, and I was just in disbelief as God completely healed whatever they came to the front for. I had somebody that, that couldn't bend his knees at all end up running up and down stairs. had somebody that couldn't lift his arm higher than this, praising God. You know, pain that just completely disappears. Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. I don't know exactly why it was so easy and consistent that night in Durban. Worship and unity were definitely part of it. But I went home that night in complete shock. 
the best kind of shock, hardly able to believe what had happened. Now, it would be so easy for me to, to feel the need to create some kind of explanation or theology as to why that happened, where and when it did. Because that's what, that's what we want, right? We want the answers. We want the cheat sheet. But I had to choose to be okay with not knowing. Why? Because there is no secret formula. I don't want to try and reproduce what God did that night in, in Durban. I want what God's got for today here. Every day since then, I've been driven with a healthy desire to see God move in such a way again, but in an even greater way. And why not here? Why not now? And one thing I know for sure is that it is all about Him. Why don't we join together in our pursuit of God? Let's discover what He has for us and quickly respond. Let's give him our whole lives, not the filtered version, the unfiltered version. Invite him to meet you where you're at. God wants to know the real you, not the Christian version of you, not the tidied up, pretty version of you, the real you. This morning, I want to provide an opportunity for you to respond and it's not I want you to kind of throw away all the altar calls you've ever seen before and prepare your heart and mind for God to do something new so I'm gonna I've got a really a poem here that I, w- I want to read out and it brings me to tears basically every time but as I read it I want to invite you to respond to God how he leads you whether it's dancing down the back, whether it's shouting for joy, whether it's laughing uncontrollably, whether it's coming to the front, do it with your whole heart, with your whole being. If you're coming to the front, come right to the front. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Okay. Why don't you stand up? And uh, this is all about you and God. But let me read this poem. And I pray that it will inspire you. Just ready your heart for what God wants to do. Thank you, Jesus. If there are words for him, then I do not have them. You see, my brain has not yet reached the point where it could form a thought that could adequately adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of His love. And my voice, you see, my voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits that it's hard to even, hard to even sing the praise of. You see, if there are words for Him, then I do not have them. My God, His grace is remarkable. Mercies innumerable. Strength is impenetrable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He is unsearchable yet knowable. He is indefinable yet approachable. Indescribable yet personal. He is beyond comprehension, further than imagination, constant through generations, 
king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I do not have them. You see, my words are few, and to try and capture the one true God using vocabulary, vocabulary will never do. But I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to a Savior, a Savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise. So I use words. My heart extols the Lord, blesses His name forever. He has won my heart and captured my mind and has bound them both together. He has defeated me in my rebellion, praise God. Conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into His presence. Completely invited me in. He has made Himself the object of my sight. Flooding me with mercies in the morning and drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for Him, then I don't have them. But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man man-made words would never do. For words are just tools that we use to point to the truth. So he sent his son Jesus Christ as the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created, giving nothingness formation. And by his words he sustains in the power of his name. For he before all things and over all things he reigns holy is his name so praise him for his life the way he persevered in strife the humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice praise him for his death that he would willingly stand in our place that he lovingly endured the grave that he battled our enemy and on the third day rose in victory is everything that was promised. So it's not just words that I proclaim, for my words point to the Word. The Word has a name. Hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Praise you, God. Can we lift a shout of praise? Come on. Jesus. Father, everything we have, it's for you. God, the reason we come together is for your glory. God, let our lives be a living example of purity, of power, of something that will glorify your name. Father, in everything you do, God, come and be a part of everything that we do. Come and be a part of it, God. Church, this morning, be brave and respond. Respond to the one that is calling your name.